Anyway, um, so uh, believe it or not, today is the last week of Advent, seeing how tomorrow night's Christmas Eve. And um, we have our final Advent passage queued up that we heard today. It's what's called the Magnificat. It's this uh, beauty of a poem from the lips of Mary, mother of Jesus. And it's this treasure of the Christian heritage beloved by so many people throughout the ages. So let's dive in into what all is going on in this passage and see if we can figure out what, what is going on and why do we care about it if we do at all. So let's remind ourselves where we are this week. So we are in the Gospel of Luke, one of the four accounts of Jesus' life. And, and we're right at the very beginning, before Jesus is even born. Obviously, Christmas is two days away. Um, so we're before that. And in this scene, we have Mary, the mother of, God, uh, mother of Jesus, mother of God as well, um, and her cousin Elizabeth. And Mary has just been visited by the angel Gabriel and told that, you know, she's pregnant with the savior of the world. You know, no pressure. Um, And then she goes and, (laughs) right, and then she goes and hangs out with her cousin Elizabeth for, you know, a quarter of a year. Just because, why not? And then, uh, now, now, Elizabeth happens to be six months ahead of Mary in her pregnancy with a certain John the Baptist. And when she saw Mary, Elizabeth cried out, God has blessed you above all women, and God has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. You know, the typical what you say when you see your cousin. Um, <laughs> come on, y'all. Are, are you asleep? Is it because the power's... Oh, come on. All right, usually you're more responsive. All right. And, and so anyway, Mary's response is this beautiful song we heard this morning called the Magnificat. comes from the, uh, the Latin of the first, uh, the first line, Magnificat anima mea dominum, and it's this super important speech, not only to the plot of the Gospel of Luke, which it is very important to, but also um, to, it's really significant because it really opens up the way that we need to read the Gospel of Luke. And so let's dive into this speech and see if we can figure out what exactly Luke is trying to get us to understand here. And so this speech starts by focusing on the individual, on Mary. And so she praises God for her situation, right? That Mary, that God would choose somebody so humble, so poor, so uh, in her eyes socially worthless as, as to be this vessel for God's coming into the world, right? And so she praises God for, for that unlikely situation. But then just as quickly she shifts from this individual situation that she's experiencing to talking about God in this broader celebration of God's revolutionary work in the world, turning the world upside down. Because what does, what does this uh, song claim? It claims that God's work in the world looks like a reversal of humanity's values, of the things that society tends to claim are worthwhile or the best or whatnot. And so, uh, so for example, 
We tend to think that having a lot of money is a good sign of success, or we tend to think that holding elected office or having political or social power is a, you know, a sign of success. And society values uh, self-centeredness and looking, over, looking for your own interests, or at least business and politics do. And society values the big, powerful, dominant nations right, that see themselves as the best things in the world, as exceptional. Each of these things... Mary goes through and talks about how God turns each of them on their head. Those who read Luke closely call this the great reversal. Because what do you have? You, you think that it's one way with somebody you know higher up and somebody lower down. But Mary's saying, no, under God, it's really different. It's really not the way you think it is. It's upside down. But, 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 but really, it's not a complete reversal. Not a complete reversal, because it's not like those who are oppressed are now going to be on top of this new hierarchy that's the same as before, right? It, we're not just swapping places. It's not a reversal in that sense. But those who are arrogant and flaunting their power and status will indeed be brought down, the poem says. And so, for example, in this poem, it's not the rich who are on top, but the hungry those who can't afford even the basic necessities of life. It's those people whose needs are taken care of. It's not all of a sudden the poor are rich, right? It's not that. It's that all of a sudden they can eat. The rich who have way more than they need and were hoarding everything in this time and place, right? They were just hoarding it and preventing the poor people from having enough. They're going to go away empty-handed, says the poem. They... Or take another line from the Magnificat. God has thrown down uh, the powerful, the kings, the royalty, the rulers from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, the inferior, the poor, the weak, the rulers, those with social and political power, those on the pinnacle of society. God tears them down from their pedestals. And at the same time, those who are nothing, this poem says, those who are valueless in society, the untouchables, if you will. God gave them dignity and agency and worth and value and honor and happiness. Or in a different line in the Magnificat, this poem, there are those who are arrogant, self-righteous, who think they're better than everybody else, who think that they're superior to everyone, maybe, maybe because of the things that it was talking about, the riches or the social status or whatever. Those supposedly superior people who put themselves on top of everybody else, they'll be humbled, the poem says. They'll be scattered, kind of like cockroaches when the light turns on. So is it surprising to us at all that this passage has been used throughout the ages by oppressed groups trying to fight for their dignity? So, like, for example, this, was, this passage was the rallying cry for the medieval peasants' revolt. Or, for example, it gave life and encouragement to the campesinos in 20th century Latin America, or to the urban poor in Peru, or to the Western feminists. This passage has been taken up by so many different people precisely because of its message. And what was its message It's that God's work in the world looks like this reversal. 
Those who are hoarding power and exploiting others are going to be brought down. And those who are getting beat up and kicked around, they'll regain their human dignity as individuals made in the image of God. They'll be able to stand tall again. They'll be able to see themselves as full human beings again. Because of these values of of success, and how do we define success, right? Money, power, popularity, influence, status, all this stuff. All of these values are not what counts to God. And so when our society values these things, and they're not what God values, when God works in the world, it's going to look like overthrowing the world's values. It's going to look like a reversal And that's what we're going to see tomorrow night as well. We're going to see this reversal in stark contrast tomorrow night. We're we're still in Luke, and these reversals come out again and again as we try and track where is God at work in the world. And of course, the implications of that too are where should we be at work in the world? Where should we search for our meaning? Where should, from whence should we derive our value? All this needs to be reconsidered in light of God's values. And so, what are the values we hold, for example? And how do we need to reconfigure them to be more in line, more closely in line with God's values, as we learn here? This Christmas season, as we're preparing for the advent of God in the world, in this very form a reversal of values. May you see God in the world in the most unlikely of people, those who you write off because they aren't successful or powerful or wealthy. May you see how God is at work in and through them. May it be so.